0: Um, If you haven't met before, my name is Andrew, and tonight I'll be reading to us uh, from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. It's up on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully.
1: Well, thanks, Andrew. Hasn't he got a great reading voice? (laughs) It's wonderful. Thank you, brother, for serving us in that way. Uh, Good evening, Christchurch Knights. My name's Tim. I am um, in charge of this service, but with another hat at this church, I also wear the ministry hat, uh, which means that I oversee serving across the whole church. And that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. We're going to be looking at a great church that serves. And I've got to be honest with you. It's a little bit awkward talking about service at the moment. Usually at the beginning of the year, we've all had a good rest. Uh, we've all had a time to recharge our batteries, gear up for the year, new year. Everyone's looking pretty excited about the new year. But this year's a little different, isn't it? This year's a little different. I just heard someone said they had spent their whole holiday in Byron with COVID. What a wonderful way to spend your holiday. Well, here we are. How do we survive another year? Because many of us are thinking about survival, not serving. How do I survive another Zoom meeting? How do I survive more social isolation? How do I survive another uncertain year at uni? How do I survive? And in this season where we're thinking about survival, I actually want to encourage us to think about serving. Why? Well, in this passage that we've just had read for us, it talks about the church being a body. And in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 26, Paul picks up this idea of the church being a body, and it says, if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And, and friends, in this difficult season, as the church, as the body, we are in this season together, all of us, working together, as one body. And when you think about it, Christchurch, St. Ives is quite a big body. Have a look at it. This is our skeleton. It's massive. There are over 500 serving roles here at church, and I've actually condensed that so I can fit it on the screen. There's a whole other layer underneath that that you guys can't see. But serving knits us together as a body. Serving helps us help each other through. And in this difficult season, in this new normal that we're still figuring out, serving may look a little bit different. You know, when I left Canberra and came to Christchurch St. Ives, this beacon of theological greatness in Sydney, I never thought that I would be a tele-evangelist speaking to people in their lounge room. If I had, I would have got to tan and whiten my teeth a little bit more. And if you're watching at home, there'll be a code that will come up there. You can call that number and give a love gift. That would be wonderful. If you're wondering, no code's gonna come up. It's the wrong kind of church. But friends, in this new normal, serving's going to look different. It's going to look different. Different people may have to step up while others have a bit of a break to recharge their batteries at this time. And as a body, we need to have every member serving each other within a healthy capacity and their ability to love, care, and support for the whole body. So today, as we think about serving, We're going to think about why we serve, how we serve, and where we serve. Why we serve, how we serve, and where we serve. So let's begin by looking at why we serve. And friends, we serve, we serve because we have been served by a great and loving God. Uh, Paul makes this clear in verse 1. Have a look at verse 1 with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and po- proper worship. Now, now Paul's logic is clear here: uh, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices because God has lavished us with His mercy through Jesus' death in our place. Uh, Jesus says of this Himself in Mark 10:45. He says, "For the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served." but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve by saving us. And as Ephesians 2 verse 10 makes it clear, we are saved to serve. Verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, all Christians no matter if you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian for a long time, we are all saved to serve. This is our true and proper worship of God. Now I wanna draw out two implications from this, from being saved to serve. Uh, The first is when we see that we're saved to serve, it actually changes our motivation for how we serve and why we serve. Are we serve out of gratitude rather than guilt? Are we serve out of joy rather than joyless duty? Tim Chester, an author, captures this idea well in this quote on the screen. He says, Jesus serves as the Son. He went to the cross for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews twelve verse two. Now if you feel like a slave of a distant God who demands your obedience then your service will always feel like hard work and be characterized by joyless duty but if you feel like a child of God who has poured out his love on you then your service will be willing full and joyous you will delight to please your father rather than feeling obligated to obey your master you will delight to please your father rather than feeling obligated to obey your master. Saved people serve out of gratitude rather than guilt. Well, second, the second implication is that saved people who serve aren't just limited to the paid staff here at church. Do you notice in verse one, Paul is addressing brothers and sisters This is about as general a term as he could get for all Christians. He's not just addressing the elders. He's not just addressing those who are paid. He's addressing all Christians. He's saying that we're all saved to serve. Now, now this idea of every member ministry or everyone being saved to serve is actually captured very well in a 90s classic Christian song. Now, I'm aware that none of you were probably born in the 90s. Most of you were born in the 2000s. Some of you at the back were born in the 90s. Some of you were born in the 90s. You wouldn't remember this song, but it's a great song, and I encourage you, go YouTube. It's actually on YouTube, amazing. But it has these words. It says, this is our God, the servant king, who calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. So let us learn how to serve, and in our lives enthrone him, each other's needs to prefer, for it is Christ we're serving. Now, if you went around in the 90s, this was a massive hit back then, and people used to sing it all the time. I tried to bring it back tonight, but it got ruled out for being too old, which was probably a good call. But all Christians, friends, it makes the point that all Christians... Are saved to serve So then we need to ask the question: How do we serve? How do we serve? What does it look like? Well, well this passage draws out two key points for how we serve. Uh, the first is that we serve humbly, and the second is that we serve together as a team. The First is we serve humbly, second is we serve together as a team. so let's look at the first one, humble. It's in verse 3 there. You can have a look with me. Verse 3. For by, gr- for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, Paul makes a big deal in a number of his letters about humility, the need for Christians to be humble. And have you ever stopped and thought about why he might make such a big deal about humility? I think it's because a lack of humility can shatter someone's service. A lack of humility can actually shatter whole churches and movements. And we've seen that played out recently if you've been listening to some podcasts. But humility is needed. Humility is needed in Christian service. It's needed in Christian service when our ministry is going really well. You know, when you're knocking it out of the park in kids' church, when your youth group's going amazing and everybody is turning up 100% of the time, every time, your growth group is just flourishing and people are learning, when your ministry is going really well, we need to remain humble. We need to remain humble because it can subtly slip into our minds that we start to think that the reason our ministry is going really well is because of us and what we do and how we communicate things. But we need to remain humble because as you saw in this passage in verse 3, that it's actually God who has distributed our gifts to us. So we need to remain humble, even if we're doing a great job. Uh, The second reason we need to remain humble is when our ministry isn't going so well. When our ministry isn't going so well. Uh, I was at a church, um, they may be watching online so I won't say where it is. Uh, I was at a church and there was a member who was part of the parish council. And he had been a member of the parish council for 24 years. And in the 25th year of him being on parish council, the church actually exploded in numbers. And he realized, sitting on parish council, that his skills and abilities were no longer needed. The church had moved beyond what he could offer and the energy that he could bring to that role. And so rather than hanging on to the power of that powerful position on parish council, he stepped aside, humbly, so someone else could take the place so that church wasn't held back. That takes great humility to give up that kind of power. At the same church, there was someone who was singing out the front. And then they realized that actually the band had moved beyond their ability and they were holding them back. And they had the humility to step out of that role and offer to serve somewhere else. It takes great humility to step back from a role when we feel that the church has moved beyond us. Well, the third reason I think we need humility is when we think a serving role is beneath us. When we think a serving role is beneath us. Have you had that moment where you're sort of hanging out to be either a kids' church leader or a youth group leader or a growth group leader or a community leader? and someone comes to you and they say, oh, can you help with the COVID clean? Can you help with this or that? And in your heart, you're like, no, but I wanna do that thing, that great thing over there. But they're asking you to do something that you feel is a bit beneath you. Well, if you had that moment, can I encourage us to to humble ourselves? Because when you think about our Lord and Savior, did he not humble himself? Leaving the riches of heaven where he was glorified, he came down as a helpless babe to be crucified on the cross for you and me. Something that was clearly beneath him. If he could humble himself there, friends, we can humble ourselves to do something that we think is maybe a bit beneath us. Well, the fourth reason and final reason we need humility is to avoid overserving or burning out. To avoid overdoing it. I don't know about you guys, but uh, this can sort of creep in. Because with ministry, there's ne- it's never done. There's always more to do. You can always do more. And it can seem heroic. Over-serving. Serving in every different area. That can seem really heroic but actually it can be a cover for a lack of humility. The great thing about God is uh, God's the one who grows his church. Uh, God's been doing a pretty good job for the last 2,000 years, and he's going to keep growing his church. We have the privilege of walking alongside and joining in that. But God is sovereign over all things, including the ministry that we are serving in. And friends, this is really liberating because it frees us from the need to overdo it, to push ourselves beyond breaking point. We can rest in the fact that he's in control and that he has it. So humility, it's so important when it comes to service. Saved people serve humbly. Well, secondly, Save people serve as part of a team. You'll see that in verses 4 and 5. Have a look at verses 4 and 5 with me. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, Paul uses this image of the church, uh, the body, as the church, he uses this image eight times throughout the New Testament. And for him, it perfectly captures what the church is like. We are a group of random, odd, but interconnected members. We all have different roles, we all have different gifts, we all have different duties. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are knees, some of us are other parts. But we we serve together. We don't serve alone. We need each other. A hand, friends, a hand is pretty useless without an arm, without a shoulder, without a nervous system. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty one, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the point that Paul is making is there's There's never such a thing as solo serving. We serve together, everyone interconnected. And this is the beauty of serving in teams. Together, we are actually more powerful than we are apart. Now you may have heard this story of the oxen. Did you know that two oxen can actually pull three times the amount that one oxen can pull. So if one ox can pull one ton, you would assume how many tons can two oxen pull? Two ton. But in reality, they can pull three. And this is the beauty of actually working together. When their energies are combined, they can do a lot more. And this is the same in church, this is the same in our kids' ministries, in our youth group ministries, in our growth group ministries. I mean, it, it worked out last weekend. Uh, I was sick in the evening, and Josh stepped into my place to lead the service. That was wonderful. Um, <laughs> Nigel was sick on Saturday, and I was able to step in and do a wedding at the last minute. I mean, you think about your teens. When people fall over, there are other people to pick up the slack. And this is the beauty of working as teams, as interconnected people. So saved people serve humbly as part of an interconnected team. Well, then this brings us to our last question. How do we know where we should serve? How do we know where we should serve God's people? Well, the answer is, saved people serve with the gifts that God has given them. And we see this in verses six, seven, and eight. Have a look at verses six, seven, and eight with me. Uh, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, now this unity of the body that Paul has just talked about doesn't mean we are all exactly the same. We don't have this drab uniformity. We, we all have different gifts and roles and abilities. And this is beautiful. Now we don't have time to unpack all those um, lists there that uh, Paul outlines, but it's not an exhaustive list and there's other passages that talk about them. But the main point that I want to draw out Is that Paul sorry, that God, not Paul, God has gifted each one of us differently. In one Peter chapter four, verse ten and eleven we read this each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves he should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. This is great news, friends, because God hasn't made us all hands. He hasn't made us all feet. He's made us all different. And this is wonderfully liberating because it means that we don't all have to be Nigel Fortescue. Now, now can you imagine a church full of Nigels? Can you imagine what that church would be like We don't need a church full of Nigels, we need one. But we also need Nikki, and we need Lauren, and we need Paul. We need all of us to make the church what it is. And in a church like ours, with so many talented and gifted people, I'm actually sure that some of us can think to ourselves, well, unless I'm at this level up here, I can't serve. Unless I can lead a small group like James Macbeth, or I can sing like Rach Merrick, or I can pastorally really care like Sally, or I can teach the kids like Lauren, I can't serve here. But friends, this is such a lie, because God has gifted us all differently. Can you imagine uh, James Macbeth with his big hands doing origami with the primary school age kids with those delicate folds? It would be comical. He probably does it. But it would be comical. Our, our job, friends, isn't to try be someone we're not. But it's to try uncover what God has given us and use it to serve him faithfully. So I want to encourage you take a moment take a moment now write down what your passions are. write down what you feel God has gifted you in write down what you're studying or what you've been trained in or what you work in and then ask yourselves how can I use that to serve the body of Christ and the gospel here in Christchurch St. Ives? Some of, you, some of you have just probably finished uni. Wouldn't it be great if you could get alongside some of the, new, the year 12s who have just graduated and who are going into first year uni and help them through that tumultuous first year. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to serve? As some of you have been working for a number of years, wouldn't it be great if you could get alongside the uni students who have just graduated and help them through and navigate those first couple of years at work? As some of you are great with IT or video editing or music or social media, wouldn't it be great if you could use those gifts Are there any graphic designers out there? Wouldn't it be great if you could use those gifts to serve the church? Uh, Some of you have amazing, welcoming, bubbly personalities. Wouldn't it be great if this church was known as one of the most welcoming churches in Sydney because of you and your team around you? Friends, I want to encourage us to think about how God has gifted us and how we can use that to serve the body. Because in this difficult season, we are all in it together, friends. We are all interconnected with one another. So though we may be thinking about just surviving, I want to encourage us to think about serving. How can we use the gifts that God has given us to serve the body within the time and energies that we have? Friends, we've been saved to serve. Saved to serve humbly, together with the gifts that God has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about how you humbled yourself, came from heaven down to earth, was crucified in our place, Lord, we thank you that you served us by saving us. Father, we pray that that would change our motivation, change how we see serving, move us from guilt to gratitude. Help it to be joyful. And Lord, as we think about ourselves, humble us as we serve and help us to find and uncover the gifts that you have given us and use them for your glory. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.